This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. for Holy Communion, and visit us on the web at holytrinityrec.org. Enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Among the sundry and manifold changes of the world, this comes to us from the Colic Prayer for this Sunday, and it brings to mind the epistle lesson about the stability of God compared to our instability. After all, we live in a world replete with change. Often the changes we encounter are things we do not like. They're often unpleasant. In the midst of this fallen world, change in the sinful direction is commonplace. We must ask the question, how is the Christian to respond to the changes we encounter all the time? On this Sunday in our Easter season where we embark upon a new season where two churches are coming together, a church-related change, if you will, let us look through the lens of how the Colic Prayer for this Sunday interprets the lessons that we had today for a proper, godly approach to change. The first step in facing change is the way we set the heart, where the heart is fixed. Now there's two directions we can take in fixing our hearts in this world. First is the manner of fixing the heart upon the worldly things, earthly things. Second is the manner of fixing the heart upon Almighty God. The opposite of fixing our hearts upon God is to fix them upon things that are sinful, things of this world. This is to fix the heart ultimately upon misery and death. This is the easy path, at least at first. In time, such destroys the heart. Thinking about it, even the closest relationships that we have in a purely worldly sense, the family, cannot be the place that we fix our hearts, devoid of God, without God. In the choice between family or God, when we follow family over and against God, our hearts are now fixed upon earthly things. As Psalm 27 verse 10 reminds us, as we read earlier, For my father and my mother have forsaken me. Lines such as this are found throughout the scriptures. Family cannot replace the body of Jesus Christ. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, one of his hard sayings, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, if we support the sins, and this is a common justification for sins in our culture, if we support the sins of family members in direct violation of God's word and the teaching of his church, we fixed our hearts upon worldly things. Or if we make family more important than divine worship, 
Our hearts, again, are fixed upon earthly things. Family is important, as God has given us the family. Yet it is only important when and only when it is in godly submission to Jesus Christ and his body. Another common worldly thing we are tempted to fix our hearts upon are the temporal authorities, the government. And again, this starts with making the family unit more important and even in some circles possessing a higher authority than Christ and his church. Then, with the worship of the family, it goes higher and higher with the eventual worship of the state. We saw this at the trial of Jesus when the crowd said they, that they had no king but Caesar. There is no difference between the worship of the family and the worship of the state over the worship of Almighty God. See, both can become idols that we fix our hearts upon over Jesus Christ. Ultimately, this is to disobey the warnings of James in the epistle today that tells us that we are to wait upon the Lord as Christians instead of going the way of the sinful world towards impatience. The way of worshiping self, worshiping the state, or worshiping the family above God is when we twist the words of James 1.19 to say, Be slow to listen, quick to speak, quick to anger. It is to rely on the vengeance and the anger of man over following God, over fixing the heart upon God. It is to fear man over God. And such ignores the last part of our opening verse in the psalm today. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Knowing these are our weak spots, the go-to areas we travel to fix our hearts. It's crucial to know what it means to fix the heart upon God and God alone. See, God alone, as we prayed in the Colic Prayer, can order our unruly wills and affections by his word, by his spirit. Everything else in this world without Almighty God is disordered. God alone brings order in this sinful and chaotic world. As an Anglican priest in the 19th century, Melvin Scott wrote concerning this Sunday in the church year, we are the world's nonconformists because we are God's conformists. We conform to Almighty God. This is only possible due to the finished work of Christ. Through Christ, all creation is ordered anew in God to be brought back into a proper submission to God. As James 1.17 reminds us, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Hearts fixed upon God brings our lives into order, into decency, into godliness. While all of us as human beings are variable and change with the wind, God stays steadfast. He is our stability. He is steady for us, holding us up through all that this world throws at us. We serve him and follow him, enabled to love as we ought, enabled to love what he has commanded, enabled to desire that which he has promised in his holy word. While we as people break promises all the time, God remains steady in his promise and his word. God remains faithful. 
He does this through our Savior, Jesus Christ. He does this through the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. As Jesus said today in our lesson in John 16, verses 7 and following, But if I go, I will send him to you, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. See, the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus Christ in his church, draws us to proclaim him, draws us to worship him. The Spirit enables us to fix our hearts upon God to do what we were created to do from the very beginning, to do what we are doing right now in this service of worship, to worship God. Fixing our hearts upon God is the act of worship that propels all of life, remaining firm in the faith no matter what happens around us. We reply to his call and to his love with our psalm today in verse 8. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Thus, it's crucial, and I think a testimony to the love of God through the Holy Spirit, through the church, that today two churches can come together this morning, not in a board meeting or a vestry meeting or in a political setting, but through divine worship around the altar of our God. In this coming together through worship and fellowship, we place our collective lives together in God's hands to wait upon God in prayer through his word, by his word, in Holy Communion. God will work in his time according to his purpose through us if we remain faithful, if we keep our hearts fixed upon him through this time of change. The last element of facing change in this world is this part of the Collect Prayer this morning, where true joys are to be found. Just as there are two ways to fix our hearts, there are two types of joy that we can find in this world. There is worldly sinful joy and godly joy through Jesus Christ. In worldly joy, we seek the old lie first told in the Garden of Eden that we too can become like God to do as we please. As St. Paul outlines in the famous passage of Galatians 5, 19 through 21, we see the manifestations of what it looks like to seek a sinful, worldly joy. As Paul wrote, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. In essence, these are all fleeting as they all eventually destroy us. They are all false joys meant to deceive until it is too late. Thank God he has sent his son to redeem us from all of these, to provide us with the true heavenly joy that he provides. Thank God he has sent the Holy Spirit, the comforter, to convict us from these sins, to bring us back to our rock in Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Of course, the idea of worship centering our lives upon Christ as we ended the last section is the manifestation of where true joys are to be found on this side of eternity. From Christ and his worship flow all that is given to us by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul continues in Galatians 5, 22 and following. 
but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. As our psalm stated today in verse 4, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Our worship gives us and reminds us of all the tools or the means of grace we are given in the church to live, to bear fruit. As our epistle closed in verse 21 this morning, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Worship helps us fix our hearts upon Jesus Christ through a proper godly joy. In a few minutes, we will have the opportunity anew to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness through our confession together, through hearing if we truly repented that Jesus Christ forgives us, that is cemented through the comfortable words, the word of God given to us and planted within our hearts so that we may go forth from this place to keep our hearts fixed upon Almighty God and all that we say and do. With true joy, we will receive invitation in a few minutes to partake of the Lord's Supper for the first time as two congregations brought together by Almighty God in this church. As we all kneel together for the first time as St. Francis and Holy Trinity around the table of the Lord, let us fix our hearts upon Almighty God in adoration and worship, finding our true joy in Jesus as our risen Lord. Let us embark this day upon a new journey together in the love of Jesus Christ. Let us be thankful in this time of worship and communion for all the joys that we have through our Savior. Truly, no matter the changes we encounter, Jesus remains steadfast in his love, enabling us to love and to remain in his fold, his body, the church, to his glory and honor. Amen.